It's Wednesday, August 21st, 2019, and you're listening to episode 521 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 43 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name is Chet. All right, so my voice continues on the mend, but it still ain't perfect, so we'll see how long it holds out into Your this. three-cigar habit a day Yes, is, my uh, not helping. Three cigars on top of three packs of cigarettes mm-hmm. on top of the fact that I'm on a pure gravel diet right yes. now. Because yeah. those little and, stones help with my digestion. I'm like, do, you're starting to get a waddle? Or one of the gobbler like the chickens have that the rocks go into? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, there's some animals that do that, too, where the rocks bouncing around in their stomach mm. actually helps break up the food they eat. I think it's some reptiles that do mm. it. I'm sure there's a couple animals that do it. But, yeah, I just, I just keep it in my throat. Yeah, it, when you need it again. Sure, it just bounces on and off my vocal cords. But mm-hmm. anyway, we'll see how long it hold out for this episode. So we were kicking around topics to talk about, and... We decided we're going to actually we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot <laughs> because we were saying, you know, let's talk about something that we kind of disagree on. And then we came to an agreement about yes. how to disagree on it, Excellent. <laughs> which I just now realized the grand irony of that mm-hmm. or war was interrupted by a peace conference. <laughs> and then a hockey game broke. Out. Yeah. And then a hockey game broke. So, all right. What, what we are going to talk about is things that. Grind our gears, right? Things that kind of oh, grinds my gears. Okay, things that bug us, things that piss us off. Because we did several episodes back. I think it was five oh eight and five ten. We did our GM and player Christmas. Things that we want, things that we like. It's very positive. Mm-hmm. But Chad was asking, he's like, so what did we talk about way back in the real early shows? Right. That that wasn't the game design episode. That wasn't like a a concept episode, but yeah. the actual topic. Yeah, and we bitched about a lot of stuff. <laughs> and we're like, man, we need to dust that off and bring that back. Yeah, and someday do a zero to published. <laughs> nah. Nah, <laughs> nah. That we're saving that. We have not done that yet, and we're saving that for episode one thousand, which we're gonna do in space with Richard Garriott. <laughs> so all right. Zero to publish is easy. Just throw some shit that someone else wrote on a piece of paper, on a document, put your name on it, and get a free website. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Kevin Symbia. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we were looking at, both from our early shows, but this is also mm-hmm. one of the things that grinds our gears, Yeah, is when players play outside of a character's abilities. Mm-hmm. All right, this was, Chad, you were the one that bit onto this one. So yeah. do you want to go with this? Yeah. So was it episode Two? two? It was one. one. Oh, it was episode, one. Our first episode. Wow. Please don't put that in the show notes. No one needs to listen to no, that. No, no. It's awful. Pick up our show probably about like 150-ish. 500-ish, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever sure. episode I started on. Actually, no. Not the one I started on. Go like 10 after that. Mm. Yeah. Actually, Broder's first episode was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So we can start there. All right. But go on. So yeah. the topic was when a character's ability outstrips the player's ability. And since we didn't do actual proper show notes, we have no idea what we even said. Because that was 2006. And I have no idea what we said. But I'm sure one of the things that we said is the good old chestnut of, I'm going to try to fast talk the guard. Yeah. My character, well, okay, my character is going to try and fast talk the guard. 
because my character's really good with that. He's got the talky skills. He's got the high charisma. Yeah. He's got a history of doing that. But I, as a player, can't string two complete sentences together. I have a speech impediment. English is not my first language, and I'm really shy. So me doing that as a player is really hard. What do we do about that? As the collective fear the boot, authority in all things role-playing, how do we handle that? Or is it even really a problem? Does it really grind our gears? Well, I don't know that it grinds my gears or anything, but I think of things like, I need to fix this, but I'm not an engineer, and I don't actually know how to do it, but my character would know that you can take chewing gum and, you know, I'm playing MacGyver. Right. But I'm not MacGyver. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think certainly what does grind my gears is that there's a double standard there of when the GM asks me, how are you getting past this? And I say, well, I'm going to roll bend bars and lift gates. The game masters not say, okay, Dan, well, fortunately, I have a portcullis in the back of my pickup truck. <laughs> Try and lift it. Yeah. And if you can do it, your character, show me how your character is going to you know, do it. You know what the crazy thing was is way back in very early D&D, I believe they actually had charts of like, if your strength is X, yeah. it, well, that means you can lift Y. I, I don't know about D&D. I simply don't know either way. Yeah. But I have seen role-playing games where they did tie the attributes to measurable factoids right that if you have a speed of x that means you can sprint this many miles per hour most superhero games do because you get into things like super Mm. strength what is super strength bank vault or a train yeah Yeah. are you spider-man level strength where you can lift a volkswagen beetle Mm -hmm. or are you superman level strength where you can lift whatever the hell you want to lift right yeah precisely And there's this double standard where we accept so many things on a die roll. Mm -hmm. The car has broken down. None of us at the table are mechanics. We don't have any problem saying, okay, Dan, roll your mechanic skill. And if you roll high, you fix the car. Or maybe the game master says you realize you need a belt and you're going to have to find that. Okay, whatever. But when it comes to charisma checks, we take this different approach of, okay, now role play it. Mm-hmm. Now, as a game master, I don't have a problem just so I can judge the action of saying, would you at least tell me what your approach is? Yeah. You're lying to the guard, but what is the lie you're telling? Yeah. Just so I know how to handle this from a story standpoint. Now, whether the guard believes it or not will come down to a die roll. But I want you to at least tell me how you're approaching this just so I can keep the story consistent. But I'm still going to use the die roll to determine it. But I have played under some GMs where they take everything social and they put Mm. it in its own category. They'll let me roll on anything until we get to social. And then it's you roll play. And if you're convincing, then it worked. Well, it's like, well, wait a minute, because this goes both directions. I may be less charismatic than my character, or conversely, I may be a whole lot more quick-witted and charismatic than my character. Mm -hmm. That should be both hobbled or helped by those die rolls, in my opinion, or at least be freaking consistent about it. If you're going to make me role-play that out, that's fine. Then have an Olympic weight bar in there the next time someone wants to make a strength check. Call in a hobo for the next time (laughs) someone makes an attack roll and I'm joking please don't go look up bum fights that is a real thing but (laughs) Dan at bumfights.com yes Dan at (laughs) bumfights.gov you wouldn't believe the things we're making money off of that's what gets me is it's it's the dual thing there 
Mm. And I something else that grinds my gears is His actual gears. Yes, mm. is grinding away. The alternate approach to that, where somebody plays the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court at the metagame level. Yeah. Let me yes. explain what I mean. So we're playing a D&D game, and somebody who knows a little bit about mechanical engineering or chemistry is like, well, wait a minute. We have this, this, and this. That's the makings of gunpowder. Right. I'm going to make gunpowder. Oh, hold on. You know, what the hell? Come Where on. Or somebody's like, so there's the blacksmith and the leather tannery and the bar. It's like, wait a minute. Did you say a leather tannery? Yeah. Well, leather tanneries, they use this chemical and that chemical and this chemical. We can make explosives out of it. You're a second level fighter in fake 12th century <laughs> non-Europe. Yeah. Yeah. You have it's one thing for Captain Kirk to figure out how right. to make a gun. It's another for Conan yeah, to figure out how sure. to make a gun. Because yeah. Captain Kirk would presumably, on his character sheet, have a general education that includes some amount of chemistry, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. These are known factoids to him. I know how to operate my air conditioner. <laughs> By pressing the button. Charlemagne <laughs> would not. Yeah, he wouldn't even know to press the button. Yes. Oh. And the ones that get me the most, dump stats of intelligence or charisma that are just completely ignored with how the characters play. Yeah, they're made mm-hmm. up for by metagame pseudo-role-playing of because I can explain it, mm-hmm. therefore we're not going to fall back to the role to see if my character even knew it. See, I have always liked, and I have never really, I guess I've never really had the wherewithal as a game master to do this, and I've never really seen it done in games, but what I really like is, like, let's say the social role. Like, you have a really high social stats and all this sort of stuff, and you want to schmooze the guard. And what I want as a game master is I want you, before you start, to roll it. And you either roll high, low, or in the middle, or whatever. Then you role play that role. You've got the silver tongue, and you've got all the advantages and stuff for it. And you're like, okay, I'm going to try and talk my way past the guard. And you roll it, and you botch the roll. I want to role play that. I want to see your interpretation of your character failing. Or, conversely, succeeding. I want to see the silver tongue guy succeed. Oh, yeah, just waltz pants it. I tend to like that on the failed side. But let's say I'm playing a bard that is trying to seduce the barmaid because she has information. Yeah. I roll. I rolls really well. I'm not a guy that seduces women. Mm-hmm. I don't want to role play seducing you, Chad, as the what? GM either. However, if I that. roll and botch, I'm perfectly fine role playing that out. Yeah. Because I have the ability oh, to role play a botched sure. roll. Everybody knows what failure looks like. Yeah. We don't all know what success looks like. Let's use something other than social as an example. I know that sleight of hand type magic, so not mm-hmm. magic magic, but right. I mean like mm-hmm. Penn and Teller, David mm-hmm. Copperfield magic, is possible. I know it is possible to palm an object. Mm-hmm. I know it is possible to hide an object. I know it is possible to move an object while you are being searched such that a person searching you does not find it. I have seen this skill demonstrated. I know it's possible. I don't know how to do it. I know a little bit of it. I do know a handful of magic tricks. I get some of the principles. I get how you distract the viewer and things like that. But I don't know exactly what success looks like. In one of our recent Skies of Glass games, Brodor's character, who is a street magician, successfully hid a 9mm pistol from somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you pull that off. Yeah, they're actively searching. Yes, I believe it's plausible. Sure. And his character 
is good enough at it that I believe mm-hmm. that she could do it. That said, I know exactly what failure looks like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know precisely if you ask me, you know, you're trying to hide a nine millimeter pistol. How did you fail at this? Yeah. Oh, I can explain that in a hundred different ways. You ask me how I succeeded. I don't know. I can give you <laughs> loose principles of, yeah. well, I kept it on the opposite side of the body he was looking at. I don't know. Right. Whatever people that do this do. Yeah. How did you fix the car engine? I think that it's... Man things? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. How did you break the car engine? Oh, that's easy. Yeah. I loosened that one bolt, and it fell into the engine block. And it's going to be three weeks before I find it again. I've done that. I think that as role players... We like details, and as storytellers, we like the details, and we don't realize that a lot of these details are really unnecessary. It's the old principle of, you know, you show, don't tell. You let the audience create this in your mind. So, like, you fix the car. How did your character fix the car? Isn't it enough that it is believable that the character could and then did? Sure. This is a concept that exists in philosophy, and I don't know we've ever talked about on the show, so I'm going to use a term, but I'll also define it. And the concept is counterfactuals. Okay, role-playing is an exercise in counterfactuals. So let me explain what a counterfactual is, because even if you've never heard the word, everybody listening to this knows what this means. Wayne and Chad are here tonight, and you guys obviously are doing the podcast. Now, I could say to you, I want you for a moment to imagine a world in which instead of the fact, which is I scheduled the podcast and you guys attended, imagine the counterfactual. So something that goes against the factual. And let's say I'd not been feeling up to it psychologically and had canceled the show. Now, this is a reality you guys can very much Mm -hmm. picture. And you could probably theorize in that reality. You don't know for sure, but you could theorize in that reality what you would be doing tonight instead. Playing a video game, talking to your wife, watching TV. I don't know what, but you can imagine something. And role-playing is an exercise in counterfactuals. None of us are wizards, (laughs) all right? Shut up. (laughs) But we can imagine something contrary to the facts, counterfactual, Mm. in a world where magic is real and people can do it and there's a consistency of some kind to that and i think that's what a role-playing game is about but the first counterfactual arguably Mm. is the character and the character is a counterfactual to the factual of the player so the player is this charismatic this strong this educated in car engines but the character is not the character is Instead, this other degree of strong and charismatic and educated in car engines. Mm-hmm. One of my pet peeves along these lines is hacking mm-hmm. in role-playing games. And I'm oh, not hacking in movies for in, that matter. Or movie, yes. And I'm not talking like something like Shadowrun where there's all these rules for sure. it and things like that. Players will basically think that if you roll well on a hacking, you can do anything. Yes. I, from my phone, make the stoplight turn green. Right. It bugs me. Yeah. And part of the reason it bugs me is because I'm in IT. Yeah. I go over to the ATM and I hack the alarm system of the grocery store in the next city over. That's not a thing that I have never once in any game heard anyone ask the question of, well, 
how do you hack it? What's your approach? Yeah. Because I know that the person you asked that of, unless they're in IT or unless they actually are a technology person, they're not going to have an answer for that. <laughs> you yeah, a- you could you, they ask that same approach for seduction rules and things. Yeah. Yeah, that's just that's one of my pet peeves. And as a GM, I want to ask, well, what's your approach to doing this? Because it's not on a network. Right. But, you know, okay. so and you're right. You cannot walk to the keypad of an ATM and hack it. All right. If that was possible, (laughs) they would fix that because somebody would be sitting there just doing Brodor's Bukkake, (laughs) showering in $20 bills. And then and there are really scary things you can do with hacking. But your characters, unless your character is a hacker, having a computer skill doesn't mean you can hack into the Pentagon. But but let let, let me ask you a question here, because I I don't disagree with you, because part of the counterfactual is it may not be counterfactual. You may be talking about something that's impossible, even within the internal consistency of that world. It is impossible. So let's say we're playing a game that is set more or less in something analogous to present day Earth. So we're playing a game that's urban fantasy or something, and someone says, I'm going to hack the ATM from my phone or at the ATM. And you're like, yeah, you just can't do that. But you don't know how to seduce a woman, and I'm, I'm not making fun of you. This was your own example, okay? No, he doesn't know how to seduce me. What if... Because <laughs> he hasn't tried. What if the guy who is making this declaration is a forklift driver, right? That's what they do real life, okay? Mm-hmm. So Pick we, up women? No. With their forklift? Yes. <laughs> so we have Bob the forklift driver, who's a great pickup artist, in picking up women with his forklift. <laughs> and Bob the forklift pickup artist says, Wayne, he knows nothing about IT, right? right? This is not his jam at all. Didn't even like computers. Yeah. He has an old Nokia phone it, yeah. because his wife made him it, have it. it. It was a family event at Thanksgiving to get Angry Birds installed on his phone. He hasn't played it since because he can't figure out how to launch it. And he says to you, well, I'm playing this super mega hacker, and I want to hack this ATM and get money out of it. Yeah, he wouldn't know what is and isn't possible. Right, exactly. And, and would that in some way, and I'm, I, this is an honest question here because I don't know how to draw these boundaries. This is not snark. Would that somehow be different than having, let's say, two or three women at the table who hear you try to pick up Chad and be like, yeah, those lines would never work. That That's not possible. Oh, that's happened in our group because we have more women than yeah. men. Okay. Yeah. So, are, yeah. so maybe this isn't totally theoretical here. But how do you draw the line as opposed to saying, eh, if you give me the role, you know, I, even though I know it's not possible, I mean, is it really fair to this guy to say, for me, because it's... like, what if, I, let, me, let, me, let me use one more example and then we'll, yeah. look, at, let's say, The car stops working because uh, one of the spark plugs goes bad. All right. All right. And you say, well, I'm going to go down to AutoZone. I grab another one and I put it in there and start the car back up. Now, I don't know if you've ever changed spark plugs before. Have you? Uh, No, but I know how difficult it is. Okay. Well, actually, it's not that difficult. But you go and do this. And I say, Wayne, you can't do that because you don't have access to a gapper. Now, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Do you know what a gapper is or how to use one? Nope. I do. Okay, and I don't know that much about cars, so I'm not flexing on you, man. I'm not, but here's my. Well, I'm trying. I I was intentionally picking. I don't know much about cars. Sure. All right, I can do real basic maintenance, and that's about it. But I just so happen to know how to install and gap a spark plug, and I know that if you don't have a gapper, that spark plug is going to misfire. All right, so it's going to cause you some problems. 
And you cannot, as a result, just pull a spark plug from another engine and put it in there. Because even if it's the right type, it's probably going to be what they call gapped differently. My point being, though, all you know is you've got a mechanics check. Why can't you make this car start? And is it's a diesel and he's trying to use spark plugs and diesel engines don't have spark plugs. But but, it, but I mean, at yeah. some point, does it start to feel like the GM is kind of cock block? It's like, look, oh, yeah, definitely. The, the buttons and levers are on my yeah. character sheet. You know, if I want to hack an ATM by pressing the right four button combo on the pad. Right. So what I would do for that situation in the case of the car one, if you have the mechanics roll and you make the roll, then you know what you need and you'd be able to get that when you okay. go to the store. In the same case of, you know, I want to get money from the ATM, you're not going to hack the ATM by hitting buttons on it. But you could potentially, if you are a good hacker, hack the bank, put money in the account, take money out, remove the records of it. There are other ways of doing it. I might make that suggestion to the player. Okay, thank you. Or I might just hand with That's where I was going to go with that, is if you as a GM are going to leverage knowledge the player doesn't have, and this is going to be a placeholder we're gonna put a pin in this because this is going to be a placeholder for what grinds my gears here in a few minutes is if the gm wants to cock block you like that with real world knowledge i'm fine with that as long as they also help you out for example if you went to put a spark plug in and i said okay wayne that requires a gapper i would feel okay with that as long as i went on to explain to you wayne your character would know this is what it's going to take to finish the installation all right, here's how gapping works. This is what you need to do. You know, I'm not just saying, well, it, it doesn't work. It's impossible. My character is a mechanic. Yeah, well, what you described doesn't work in a car engine. Time to get a new group. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or, or but, uh, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I've seen it, you know. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. Well, and I've seen other people I mean, around the table throw things out of, that wouldn't work. Since we're going way, way back in our catalog here, I'll throw out the I was playing a huckster, a gambler, a liar, a con man who wasn't helped making his character and didn't realize that I had to take a lying skill to lie. And when I tried to lie and didn't wasn't able to roll on it, my character suddenly had the literal inability to tell a lie. Okay, so Chad, you just did it, so I'm going to go ahead and... I want to get on this point here real okay. quick, though. So we're going to put a tag in yours, too, because that ties right into yeah. what I'm going to go well, off on. Well, and you got to get your gears all heated up. And oh, yeah. Super oh, yes. going on. Yeah, there, there, there's no grease. <laughs> I see the smoke coming yeah. out. It's great. There's no grease in there. No. So how I would like the hacking thing or the car thing or the whatever thing, it doesn't even have to be technical. How I approach it, it's not about the character, right? It's not like, okay, I'm playing a forklift driver. Or I am a forklift driver who uses my forklift to pick up women and I'm playing a hacker. Or I am a computer IT guy and I'm playing a hacker, I'm using my knowledge or whatever. For me, it's about the game, not the player. So the player wants to get money out of this ATM by hacking it. Does the game, does the setting, does the world allow for that? Are we playing like a gonzo superhero street level game where we're playing the street level bad guys, but it's real gonzo and then, you know we're getting into fights all the time and... My guy can run up to an ATM and I'm playing Hacker Man and I do, 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 and suddenly the money starts coming out, which is a cool game. Or are we playing something that is more serious and realistic that I, I can't even think of an example right now? But something, something military. Yeah, something like a, a, a military game or something like that. And we're fighting through the streets of near future Germany after the Russian invasion of Europe, right? And we need to bribe a guard, and I run over to like one of the last remaining not bombed out banks, and they have actually have a working ATM in there. 
do I just run up there and I'm like Hacker Man in the last game? Where I boop, 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 and I get all the Deutschmarks thrown at me. No, no, you don't. Now, what you do is the same for both of them. It's just how you do it is different. You say, can your character do that? Oh, yeah, you, your character can. You have these hacking skills in this or background or some yeah. barest believability that your character can do that. Well, let's make some relevant roles and we'll see. The difference here is the scale and the magnitude. So in the the hacker man superhero villain game, boom, 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 rolls, and you get that money in moments. And it's like, dude, dude, and it comes out like in a movie. It's ridiculous. Then yeah, it yeah. works like that. But it's cool. But in the game where it's like 2025 and Russia has invaded and you're trying to escape this horrible, you know, land war in Europe, yeah, your character can do that, but you need time. You need time, equipment, and research. And, you know, you can't just run up to it and go boop, boop, boop. You need to wrap that into a larger, well-thought-out plan that plugs into the theme of the story and game that we're all trying to make here. So you let loose your gears here. No, no, no. I'm not oh. going. I'm not ready to do. Oh, you're just still yet. grinding them. Man. Yeah, but no, it's actually kind of funny because I had the reverse of this happen in mm. real life. So there you are at the club with your forklift. Yeah, there, are, and I've, I've just got chicks galore all mm-hmm. hanging off my forklift. Yeah, because before you got in the forklift, you went to the ATM and got so, all the money out. Oh, I'm going yeah. to totally admit, okay, what I'm about to tell you, this was kind of a dick move. But it illustrates a point, which is why I'm going to cop to having done this. I used to work with a guy, and he was one of those people that knew tons of people. Like, mm-hmm. he got around, he knew everybody, and he knew people that did everything. And one of the people that this guy knew was somebody who professionally installs and sets up and programs elevators. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he heard from this guy some things, and then he repeats to me, hey, did you know that if you hold down certain (laughs) key combinations and certain elevators, it causes them to override their functions so they can do certain types of maintenance and testing. Hmm. All right. So I just happen to remember this. Fast forward about a year or two or three, I'm at Gen Con with John. Mm-hmm. We're in an elevator, transparent, okay, so it's like a yeah. glass elevator, and we were like either way on top or way on bottom and wanted to be at the opposite level. Mm-hmm. You either wanted to get off or you wanted to see the view of the city. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. yeah we were either down below and wanted to go all the way up or all the way yeah. up and wanted to go down. And Gen Con being Gen Con, there was somebody every, every single, single level. This was going to be a 30-minute time investment, <laughs> and I said... So, John, watch this. I'm going to hold these three buttons down, and it's going to stop for no one. And John's like, you realize that's just an urban legend, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything more. I just pressed the button combo, and sure enough, <laughs> the elevator just goes right past all these people with increasingly confused and angry looks <laughs> as we just sail the length of the building, and it stops for no one. Nice. And it's just me and John in this otherwise empty <laughs> elevator. I'll admit, total dick move. <laughs> But hilarious. Yeah, I would have wrote it back up again. (laughs) And John was like, holy crap, this really is a thing. Well, just like that, when I worked at Six Flags, I did the restock the M&M machines. They're vending machines that give M&Ms and candy and things. Mm -hmm. There were key combinations you could press on the items that would take you into menus. Yeah. Nobody changes those. You so, like, I could walk up to the, the ones in the mall. I used to go up, hit the key combinations, and get all the stats off of it. That's not hacking an ATM, but it that is, is believable yeah. that the, things the, like the, that could exist. But yeah. the point being, let's say we had been playing a Shadowrun game, mm-hmm. 
and let's pretend my character would know this. This is sure. not just metagame Dan knowledge. Yeah, you were playing the street elevator samurai. Yes, I am. Yeah, exactly. Elutron. Yes. The elf. And this is a man who gets to the bottom of everything. <laughs> That's right. And John's like, you know, you've got Lone Star closing in on you because of the shootout at the rooftop bistro or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get away from him. But there's socialites and wedding parties on every level. And you're stuck in the elevator and they're taking the stairs. And I'm like, John, I press the three buttons, which I know how to do. And my mm-hmm. character knows how to do. We're in total alignment here to bypass it. And John, as a GM, says, that's an urban myth. That's not possible. Yeah. Except it is. It, yeah. it really is possible. So as a GM, there's two things that grind my gears about that situation. And it's not like the behavior of either of the people. It's just the, the setup of it. What grinds my gears is from the game master perspective, you have a player who's invested who's interested, who came up with a relatively believable plan. Yeah, it might be an urban legend. It isn't, but it might be an urban legend. You don't know, because you don't know anything about about elevators. Sure. But it's interesting, and it fits within the story and the, the genre of the game. Yeah. So now you've just shot that plan down. You've told yeah. your player, no. From the player perspective, though, on the other end, how the player can, can handle this poorly is... The GM said, no, I'm not going to allow. Maybe they had a valid reason. Maybe they didn't. They said, you know, it's an urban legend. I don't think it fits within the game, whatever. And they're trying to move on with the story. And you go, whoa, wait a minute. You pull out your phone. Not you, just the generally. You pull out your phone. You're getting on Wikipedia. You're getting on Snopes. The game has stopped. You're obsessing about this elevator thing. Everyone's like, can we just kill some Lone Star? Well, (laughs) I think I would have two points there. One is that the GM meta knowledge can be just as bad as the yeah, player. No, and, and that's, that's both the player, again, yeah. not you and John, but just the both the player and the GM. That's how I view handling that. But I, I think a situation like that could be solved in the way that Wayne described, which is if you're going to cock block somebody based on meta knowledge, but their character is there, yeah. you know, they've got the skills, give them some help. And yeah. I think a fair way to do that would be to say, okay, that doesn't work. Well, real world, okay, this is my game, and in my game, the elevator doesn't work that way. But if you pry off the Mm -hmm. keypad and you make some skill checks to spark a few wires, you might be able to, at the more mechanical level, get the keypad to do something it's not supposed to do. Here's some other way to do it. Or you don't think that you can bypass the elevator, but there is the... Fire escape hatch on top. You know, you're offering something as opposed well, to just... As a game master, If they've rolled and they're successful, your character would know that that wouldn't work, but this would. That's their successful role already. They've, they're they mm-hmm. going to be successful, but what they're suggesting is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Give them the... Your character would know they could do this instead. Yeah. Or you thought about doing that, but realized this would work better. Don't take the success away from them, but also don't sell out your game. If somebody says, okay, well, the truck broke down in werewolf country and, you know, you don't have any coolant or anything. And they say, well, I just, uh, you know, I've got half a Slurpee in here and I just throw that in the empty coolant thing and then we keep driving. And look, I made my roll and it's a success. As a game master, it's like, eh, you know, that's kind of screwing with the tension. It's screwing with the believability of the game. It's, it's not even really, that's not how that works sort of thing. 
but they made a role. Maybe you asked for it, and they were successful. Advocate for your players. Yeah, you didn't have a Slurpee, but maybe you had a bottle of water. Yeah. That'll just get you a little bit further down the road. Yeah. Or, yeah, maybe you know enough that it's like, well, you're going to go real slow, but maybe you can make it, and but maybe you'll burn the engine out or something. Give them something and help them along with it because you have to advocate for the player. You don't want to take their successes away from them. On the other hand, if you're a veteran skilled player, have an awareness of the goddamn game you're in because that is what truly grinds my gears. It's not that everybody needs to be on the same page. It's everybody is playing the same game. We're playing dark, grim, dark, mysterious, and you've got rainbow bright. Or we're playing lighthearted action and you have Batman, grim man. Or, you know, any of these extremes. You have someone who, in this werewolf breakdown in the middle of nowhere thing, is like, it's a grim game. It's a game about survival. It's a game about being behind the eight ball. It's about not having quite enough, and it's about the fear and the tension. And then you have somebody who's like, oh, well, yeah, I just I just take some bubble gum and some duct tape, and I tape it up, and we're, we're good to go. We're going. Have some aware. Don't put your game master in the position to tell you no. I mean, if a game master is going to be a dick, they're going to be a dick. But don't put anyone in, in the position to where they have to shoot down your idea, not because they don't like you and it's an awesome idea and they just don't understand. Don't put them in a position where they have to shoot down your dumb ideas that don't fit within the game. Yeah, well, I think that goes back to the example we are talking about earlier, the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's mm-hmm. Court. Don't be metagaming chemistry into your right. D&D game. So shooting things down is one of my big mm-hmm. ones. Your character is off somewhere else. But you're talking right in the middle of the conversation. The role play is going and you're throwing comments out there or you're making jokes. Not even commentary. Right. No, commentary. Commentary is bad because it interrupts the flow, but it's understandable. Comments. Or you're telling the other player, here's something you should be doing. When your character is nowhere near that situation. As a GM or another player, I feel like I feel whiny if I say, you're not there. Or is your character there? Or any of those. Yeah. It's a pet peeve that I don't have an answer for because the other side gets overly whiny. I don't know about that. I mean, no, I, I agree with you in the grinding the gears part of it. Mm-hmm. The way I approach it, and this happened in our game on Sunday, okay. too, a little bit. The way I approach it is that I let it run a little bit. You know, two people like you and Dan are in character in the room role playing. And then we have Charlie here sitting in the chair and he's making boop, boop, boop comments even though his character is also a dog and doesn't speak English and isn't even in the same room because he's chasing something. But I don't want there to be a library-like silence when the sanctity of role-playing is there. I want people to make the jokes and the commentary. I want people to kind of throw things out because in the middle of, you know, back and forth, you might not think of something to a very limited point. I will say, is your character there? Which I did in the game a couple of times. It's like, ah, okay, cool. I'll get to you in a minute. You know, and I kind of put it on them. But on the other hand, too, I don't want to be the judge. I want to come down with my gavel and silence. I have seen really good, intense role play completely destroyed by another player saying what their character would think when their character's not there. Yeah. And it just... It in really a, gets to me. Oh, it, yeah. it gets to me, too. But I think in a weird way, it's good because it's a sign that they're that engaged. They're, yeah. They're so they're engaged. engaged that they can't sure. shut their whore mouth. They're, <laughs> and, and they're off their whore phone. 
Yes. <laughs> they know what's going on. They're paying attention. They're in that whore chair. They're at in, that whore table. And they <laughs> just, they got a whore. That's, That's why, why I give it a little bit of lead, a little bit of leash, because I don't want to shoot that down. Yeah, you don't want But wanna, I don't want screwing everything up either. You don't want to shoot down the excitement. And that's why I have such mixed feelings on it is I totally feel Wayne is saying that you're intruding on somebody else's spotlight. Mm -hmm. You're participating in a scene that isn't yours, but you're listening. You're engaged. You're thinking about it. You care. You're so excited. You can't contain yourself. That is, these are good things. I know what I love about my current group because we've gone through a lot of players over the years and a lot of different groups. And I've seen so many people. I haven't seen people who I would say are bored. I just would say that I've seen a lot of people who, when it's not their turn or the spotlight's not on them or their character's not relevant, completely checked out. You don't have to be hanging on my every word or the other player's every word, but they are so checked out that that in and of itself is disruptive. I used to take notes on absolutely everything that happens at the table. So, like, when I first started playing this Guys of Glass game, the very first Guys of Glass game, uh, is my very first game ever, I took notes on everything that happened. I've taken to now, I will only take notes on things that my character witnesses. Mm-hmm. So I myself can remember only what the character would know. I have gotten... That's just a random... If I'm not there, I'm not taking notes on it anymore. I don't take any notes. Right. And I forget things. Especially in a game like Dan's, where it's so multi-layered, and they're so long. Dan runs really long games. So I do forget a lot of stuff. And I love playing a character who misremembers things. Because I misremembered it. Or Mm -hmm. I got a guy's name wrong, or I misremembered a fact. Or there's an important detail that happened six months ago that I don't remember that come up now. And what I do is, you know, somebody will say something or, Hey, don't you remember our notes like this? And I just, I just keep rolling with it. I integrate it in that because humans are flawed. They're imperfect. So we're going to close out on mine. The one I've been sitting on. Oh, geez. You still haven't gotten that out. No, no, I oh, have man, You need to see a doctor. So I, I've got two titles for this. I don't know which one I'm putting in the show notes. One is, do not hold me responsible for the things you didn't tell me. Subtitled, F- your proper nouns. <laughs> Here's what I mean. I don't have a problem with rules having facets and complexity. I don't have a problem with settings having facets and complexity. But holy crap, am I tired? And this has been a recent thing. This is not just an ages old abuse thing of getting screwed in games by things that, one, I did not know, and two, nobody sufficiently explained to me. Right. Where I walk into a game and I pick things based on the guidance I was given that looks sensible to me, and I end up with a subpar character, or I end up getting my ass kicked up and down the street, or I end up failing at everything I attempt to do because of the fact that I don't know what the hell is going on. And it's not because of the fact that I'm not engaged or I'm not paying attention. It's because this is my first time out with the game and things are not being explained to me. And on top of that, I am not being given leeway of, okay, you didn't understand this and we're going to work with you here. Okay, so you, you didn't totally get this. So... I'm going to cut you some slack in terms of how the NPCs respond or wow, your character sheet's a mess. Let's sit down together and redo this and maybe change some things. Or I'm going to give you some bonus advancement points. so You can kind of fix it up a bit. I mean, I don't know. There's a hundred thousand solutions, 
but I hate being crucified for crimes I didn't even know the names of. And this is one that, once again, I don't have to dip back 20 years in my gaming experience to give you places where I got hoisted up on this. And once again, I don't care that the games are complicated or the settings are complicated or whatever, but man, don't treat it like, well, this ought to just be common knowledge to everyone. And for heaven's sake, if I ask you a question about a proper noun, the extent of your answer should not be another proper noun. I mean, okay, it may take proper nouns to explain that because you say, well, who are the Spaniards? Okay, you may have to use Europe in your answer. But if people that live in Europe is the extent of your answer, and this is my first day on planet Earth, you've given me no additional information. Yeah, let's give a completely facetious example that has nothing to do with anything. Let's say you're playing a game of The Matrix, and your character has been in and out of The Matrix, knows all about the agents. You as a player have never seen the movie, and it's, you okay, a guy in a suit with glasses is in front of you. Well, I punch him. Mm -hmm. And the GM doesn't tell you these are super badasses that nobody ever survives. Yeah, this is what an agent is. What's an agent? Well, they're guys that keep order in the Matrix. Oh, okay, so it's like a street cop who is in the know that this isn't real. Okay, I kick his ass. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not a helpful answer. Mm -hmm. I had a math teacher who was terrible about this, where you would ask him, like, well, well, how do I do a sigma summation? And the answer he gave was full of so many mathematical terms that if I understood his answer, I'd I'd have never had the question. All right, well, my voice is starting to gum up a bit, so I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Hit our Discord or our forums or the evil Facebook and tell us what old ass original episode you would like us revisit yeah and that's just, it's not because we're out of ideas because we're not we actually do have a running list no, of ideas, ideas. <laughs> but there are nights like tonight where we look at the idea list and it's not that the ideas are bad but we're just not feeling them right that second yeah, it's like you yeah. know like a movie you have a movie you like the movie but you just don't feel like watching it right now mm-hmm. you need to sort of come back to it later So anyway, yeah, if there is a topic you'd like to see us revisit, let us know. One of the ones I am absolutely going to come back to is probably our most enduring and significant topic, at least in my mind, which is the group template, because I want to put out a second version of the group template that incorporates some of the pregame questionnaire items and goes a little bit deeper than what the original group template did. So Look for that in an upcoming episode. I don't know when exactly. But other than that, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Hear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.